Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about Three Peaks, Brighton, and we have part three of our interview with Mark Hall from First Step. High energy. Yeah. Love is left in me. Apparently there's a rude song. Welcome to The Kindness Project. <laughs> My name is Chris Dames. I am joined by a man who's a little bit under the weather and a girl who's just back from Brighton. It's Raz and Charlotte. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing good, thank you. And we're joined by a man who is very determined to get me involved in something I do not want to do. What? Your mountain stuff. What do you mean by mountain stuff? Oh, well, look, now I've done a marathon, I need a new challenge in my life, right? And part, what I'm thinking of is getting a crowd of people together to do something called, and if you're listening to this in another country, you might not know about this, it's called the uh, Three Peaks Challenge. I mean, Russ has already volunteered, which is amazing. Thanks for that, Russ. No, I don't think I will be, mate. And I will not be joining you either. So who's coming then? <laughs> you and your who's imaginary a... best friend. Oh! <laughs> Actually... Phil from Bootcamp has already said he'd do it. I reckon I can get a few people more. So, the three peaks challenge. You're going to do it. Oh, Soph. Amazing. Um, uh, Sophie's going to do it. But this, the three peaks challenge involves effectively climbing up three of uh, 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 the three largest mountains in England, Scotland and Wales. Um, that might be my next challenge. It's either going to be that or I was, uh, I was in a meeting the other day with a client and he told me that um, apparently there's a challenge that now I've run the London Marathon, if I also swim the Serpentine in Hyde Park and do a 100-mile bike ride from London to Surrey and then London again, there's a special uh, award for that. And you know how I love a little bit of medal bling for running, don't I? Wait, no, I thought you were going to say trophies. You're always trying to get trophies on the... It's not trophies, more medals, but yeah, all good. So you're back from Brighton. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Uh, we went to Brighton. We slept <laughs> several nights. <laughs> we, I'm back. <laughs> you could have done that at home. <laughs> What was the most exciting? You went to the Sea Life Centre, didn't you? Yeah. Tell we us about to that. touch the anemone. An, 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 the what? Anemone. Anemone. The anemone. 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 Um, but they did have some... They don't sting or anything like that. Oh. Right. What are they like? They're, they're basically the cross between a living organism and a plant. Okay, fair Although enough. Although plants are living organisms. Like, they're sort of like alive plants. Oh, plants are alive, but, you know, they're more reactive yeah. to stuff. Like, if you punch a tree, it's not going to do anything. You tickle it. Why, are you, why <laughs> are you going around punching a tree? I don't want to tickle a tree. <laughs> You want to tickle a tree? No. Right. Are you tickling a tree or punching a tree? Punching a tree, tickling an enemy. Tickling an enemy. About a tickling an enemy tree. An enemy's a plant. Okay, fair enough. All right. Jamar, have you ever tickled an enemy? I thought you no. did. 
Okay. I can't say I punched a tree either. No, no, me neither. Oh, everyone's um, punched a tree at least once. I have. No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Nobody. No. No, the adults in this family haven't <laughs> punched anything. Once I was like five. Yeah, like when you're a kid, you I tried to fight the tree. Who's picking a fight with a tree? I have an imaginary friend, and it was a tree. What was the name of the imaginary friend? <laughs> Dave. Dave the tree. And he punched me, and it, I thought I had a black eye, so I punched him back. <laughs> right, sorry, ladies. You do realise this is a podcast about kindness, and you're talking about going around the bump and hitting trees. No, you never watch the movie the, the Karate Kid, and just like. Oh yeah, yeah, fair and, like, enough. They always, a, they always a, battle inanimate objects. So that's, a, that's the. It's a training technique. It's yeah. a training technique. Fair enough. Um, and we are also joined. Uh, by a girl who's decided to join in the podcast and has come as her Halloween favourite, Weird Clown. <laughs> it's Sophie Dames. How you doing, Sophie? And and Sophie, can you you are I mean I was really stuck for a question in the podcast the other day, but you I'm came genius. you came out <laughs> and modest. You came out came out with one that was absolute genius. Do you want to share what the question of the podcast is? Good soup. Good soup. What's your favourite soup, ladies and gents? What is the soup that you are loving the most? You can tell us about what your favourite soup is using the following online channels. You can go to at Ola Kindness to tell us your favourite soup is tomato soup. There is no other opinion. You can go on no, 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 no. People are entitled to other opinions. You can't tell them that tomato soup's the best. You go to Facebook to tell you like tomato soup. Because tomato soup is the only opinion. No, I'm just kidding. You go to Twitter to tell you like... Tomato soup. Tomato soup. Potato and meat soup. They can't go to a different platform for each soup. There's too many soups in the world for that. There's too many soups and not enough platforms. Go back to Facebook. Say any other soup. All right, okay. All right, do that. Where is tomato? Twitter. Twitter is the tomato option and Facebook is the other option. So how do they find us on Facebook? So if you type the Carlos product into the search bar, we should come up there. If you go to... Look at our website, it's www.kindnessproject.co.uk. <laughs> or you can do this so very exciting. Um, if you want to just Google the Kindness Project, we should come Yeah, we're up. Uh, you can email us at hollow at the kindness project.co.uk. Um, and I'm assuming all of our socials are on the page. Yeah, the yeah they're all so. on the website, so you can go there. But what we'd also like to ask, and we don't do this often enough, to be honest, and if you are a regular listener of the kindness project, and we know there are hundreds of you, please do me a favour, leave a review. Jump on uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever podcast um, platform you use. We'd love to hear what you love about um, the Kindness Project um, uh, via email, you know, uh, uh, whatever you tell us to improve the Kindness Project does us a huge favour. Um, and while you're there, if you want to throw in a favourite soup, we'd love to hear it. Good um, Let's move on with the show, and the next part of the show is... Kindness News. I think the Kindness News. So Charlotte's going to do the first bit. It's Josh, Josh's story, 
why a client is met as in late alive. Josh Elton is a group facilitator for, spa- for standing together. Simbrood. Yeah, Wales. Hmm. Pro- <laughs> standing together, Wales. <laughs> a project which aims to improve mental health, well-being, and build community connections through peer support groups. Here he shares some insights into the role that kindness has played in these groups since lockdown. Um, for the last 18 months, Standing Together Wales has been a project that encourages people in later life to get together and engage in deeper conversations. They aim to reduce loneliness and isolation in later life by facilitating neighbours to become friends. Now, that is a great project, isn't it? You're just making those connections with people. We might live together, uh, might live next to each other for years and years and years, but just don't make that connection. I like to think we're relatively good friends with our neighbours. We've got really decent neighbours, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like we were playing a fruitful game of Scrabble and the COVID-19 outbreak just split the board. We're winning a great game. We were on track to win. It is now illegal to congregate. Isolation is mandated and neighbours who became friends are cut off once more. Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, I suppose if they've got a project that's designed to bring people together and suddenly they can't do it, what do you do? You can clearly tell this man plays Scrabble with big words like congregate and mandated. I know. And neighbours. But we well, was playing Scrabble and then somebody flipped the ball. <laughs> um, but what, it, what they had to do is find a new normal for the project. We missed the project we had, but we had to find a new normal. We developed a telephone service, crucially putting social interaction between people at its heart. We started by making contact with our participants. With permission, we were able to pass on the message from one neighbour to another, sometimes providing people with the only contact they'd had from from their friends in weeks. We have since moved on to making conference calls. Using just a mobile phone, we're able to merge calls between our participants' landlines, connecting friends who haven't spoken for over a month. And and the other thing they've done is, is use, during the coronavirus, being a bit more creative. There's a great capacity, the, uh, the organiser, um, Josh, says, to be creative and kind in peer support groups. A partially selected group member loves quizzes, but can't take part in the paper quiz the residents scheme are running currently. We were able to conference call her and three friends to do a telephone quiz. She went on to win. Such sessions are heartwarming and fulfilling, but the real power of our project comes in a kindness shown by the participants to each other between sessions. Um, uh, it, that I love. It's an amazing project. Um, it builds those so important community connections, and particularly in a society where elderly loneliness is such a huge issue, I think having people out there that are building um, building those connections is fundamentally important. So so important. Um, let's talk about another good news story. Thousands offer to host tiny homes with homeless residents in their own Seattle backyards. A parent of non-profits are housing homeless people in tiny sustainable homes in the backyards of charitable charitable volunteers who decide to host them. The Seattle Bloom Partnership hopes to replicate the cultural shift brought about by Airbnb to tackle the homelessness epidemic in the Pacific Northwest, as well as introduce concepts of sustainable housing to thousands of charitable residents who have bought their homes. After returning a homeless resident outside of his architecture studio, Rex Holbin transitioned his career towards helping others by starting the Block Project. It's name playing on the words for neighbourhood and for the shape of the tiny houses he would pioneer. 
Oh, because they look like Lego blocks. They do, they do. <laughs> Seattle has the dual problems of expensive real estate and the third largest homeless community in the country, which led Holborn to reason that tiny labours would have a much better better impact than waiting for a big budgeted government program. This is an example of that like grassroots support that people can give. He founded Block along with facing homelessness. The latter would find backyards in which the former could build small, low emission housing and the government stepped in to make the process as legally expedient as, as possible. Zoning laws already allowed for accessory dwelling units to be present on existing properties and to ensure there's no impact property tax for those volunteers, they're back Backyards, the non-profits own five-year leases for their tiny houses. So what they're doing is building these small houses in their back garden and putting people without homes um, into these houses um, using land that, you know, is, is volunteered. I but love also, that. because they're built on the back of people's houses, aren't they getting like a built-in support system as well? Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose there's an element of connection there, isn't there? You know, mm. instead of being on the street, they're they potentially become part of these um, these these people's homes and families and lives. I absolutely love it. Right, let's move on to the next part of the show. We have got our interview. Uh, our interview this week is the third part of Mark Paul's from First Step. If you haven't listened to the first two parts of the show, please go back and, and have a little listen. Uh, Mark and the amazing work they do at work uh, first step is definitely worth showcasing um and yeah please do take a look and, and see the work they've done on part one and two before you listen to this um which is the final part part three uh, should we listen let's do it great um and talk to me a little bit about because clearly the charity sectors had a tough time over the past couple of years certainly with you know a lot of people um using events to fundraise and hopefully that's coming back now um but talk to me about covid as how covid and the lockdowns and the pandemic yeah. have had an impact on first step okay yeah i mean we um uh, I, I mean i held a public meeting shows how good i am as procedure chris i held a public meeting on the 11th of march 2020 <laughs> And I laid out my plan for the next five years. And I said, we might have a slight funding dip in January, February 21, but we're all set and we're ready to go. Right. And two, uh, two weeks later, I was sitting in an empty building saying, what the hell just happened? <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, those black, uh, those black swan events, though, Mark, who predicts them, really? Do you know who does, do they? Yeah. I mean, the only fortunate thing, Chris, is that I've got a century room here, so when it all gets too bad i can go and sit in there and rock in a, in a century <laughs> um and um so we had to quickly spin on a sixpence because many of our children were quite vulnerable so there was no way that we could bring them in and so we had to do all sorts of quickly creating of records and we used probably to the end of march to actually do that right. and then we threw fully into virtual services with Zoom and telephone calls and emails. And in the first period of lockdown between effectively from um, April through to June, July time, we had 2,700 virtual connections with families, su supporting them to the best we can could, making them feel. We actually, um, I, I've, uh, I'm waving in front of the camera, but it, it won't mean 
anything to your podcast listeners, but it's it's a really simple Nokia phone. And if I wasn't in the office, the, the phone was diverted to the mobile and our families knew that 24 seven, um, they could call if they needed to. You know what, those old Nokias are pretty yeah, decent, fantastic. aren't they? I mean, like Absolutely. battery life, you know, you're not gonna, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's got perhaps my favorite mobile phone game ever, Snake. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we had to adapt in that way. And although governments are desperately twisting everybody's arm to actually say, of course, all these virtual services are much better and we're going to continue to run them forever, our parents strongly disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're a very poor substitute for what went on, but they were better than nothing. Well, so, I mean, if you if you look at the engagement you need with your families yeah. and the kids, there's no better way of doing that than face facts, is there? No. Well, we teach we teach families through example a new language. Mm. So that what what I notice, I when I came to first step, I asked my office to be next to the playrooms because I wanted to be grounded in what the charity did. The trouble is, it's the hottest room in the building in the summer, but it's worth it. And um, and so you know, every child that comes in and every parent that comes in, we teach basic sign language in the form of Makaton. Mm-hmm. We teach them how to use picture embedded messages to help with communication because a lot of the meltdowns come from children's inability to communicate and the parents inability to communicate so one one of the things that i noticed is there's always that element of um, learning through repetition you know that that element of because one one thing that i found two things actually that i took from attending the session that you very kindly invite me to um how important song was Yep. Um, so singing was really prominent, yep. but also that repetition element of of, of learning, yep. and and it's all those sort of things that. So you think about your own kids, yep. um, Chris. If you can cast your mind back, memory back that far, <laughs> they had their favourite stories, didn't they? They wanted yeah. they wanted the same thing time after time because it's familiarity. I mean, the you, only thing they get bored of, Mark, is the time I I repeat stories all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. it is. but that's about structure and particularly mm-hmm. any of the children who have a social communication background structure is vital to them yeah, yeah and yeah. and with children who will ultimately be diagnosed as autistic um it's not that they're unaware they're super aware yeah, yeah so yeah. they're there you know it's a bit like um uh, you know that that when you look at the, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, the autistic lad who drew, um, went and sat on the the in the green area on the uh, just on the the square just opposite the Houses of Parliament, and actually drew the Houses of Parliament. Did. Started to sketch it out, went home, finished it off, and they got a picture of the Houses of Parliament, and it was in perfect perspective and with the right number of windows. It was almost and, photo realistic, yeah, wasn't it? it, it yeah. It, it's scary you see because these kids are super i mean i've um uh, one of my grandchildren is is on just on the edge because the the autistic spectrum is huge and i actually think we're all on there somewhere yeah you know in that way and um he he he, mum dad take him to the um father christmas and um he went uh they've gone the same few years to the same father christmas because he's well enough aware to say there's only one father christmas you can't palm me off with a different one <laughs> in 
and he walked in and this was as a five-year-old and he said to father christmas he said that bin wasn't there last year it was over there right and people said what they went yeah. got the photos out it was absolutely right yeah you're right and this was one of your starting places if we can get these kids into roles and into a style of life later on which we capitalize on that impact yeah. or on that 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 advantage they have then it then it's great but also parents have to be really wise that sudden changes to plans give rise to a meltdown yeah yeah, yeah. and you've got to take the longer way to actually get there so i think what we what we seek to do and i and you're right i mean quarter to 11 quarter to 12 you'll hear me if you're in my office at the time i'll start to sing along with them and now it's time to say goodbye you know because that's the song they always finish on yeah and, yeah, yeah. and if you watch on our other video on the website um where charlie is in with the music therapist and she starts to sing that song and now it's time to say goodbye and he gets up and he's walking out the door Gotcha. Because yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Because the framework is established, he knows, and of course that creates a great degree of security mm. for the and, child. And I suppose with a um, with a, a lot of your kids um, that you help and support, not being as social as potentially other other children, how important is it that they're around other people? Vital. Right. Because um, we uh, um, we we have to be tough to be kind to our children. Um, some one of the problems we can have, uh, Chris, is if if a child and quite often they are shared between us and the mainstream provision. <laughs> They can go to a mainstream provision, and when they don't write the reports, they say, "Oh yeah, Harry, he's perfect." never have a problem with him we write our report and we talk about all the problems we're facing the difference is when harry goes to the mainstream provision they let him do what he wants whatever to do. he wants when he wants to do it most of the time with an ipad and in actual fact in truth what they're doing is warehousing it yeah. when, when harry comes to us it's on a schedule and we're building a structure and a framework and guess what when we have snack Everybody sits down together and we have a snack together. Yeah. Harry might always have walked at home, walked around at home eating, grazing. But we know the difference in the long term it makes for a family if there is at least 15 minutes when everybody sits down at the table together and mum yeah. can actually... Have Creates a habit. Yeah. yeah, it does, yeah. Can I just tell you quickly about another child as well, which is well, quite different. And this was a young lady um, called Imogen. Her, her story is on there as well. And she is profoundly deaf with cochlear implants. And... She came to us because the local deaf school couldn't manage her. Right. Right. So the specialist people for dealing with deaf children couldn't manage a deaf child. So they came to First Step, who is generalist. Okay, right. which is an interest starting. Bit strange. Yeah. When she came to us, um, she had the protective helmet on um because she was known that if she got frustrated um that she would look for glass to bang her head on to try and break the glass with her head 
And um, if she went into a, a, a serious meltdown, she'd rip the hat off, she'd pull the connections to her cochlear implants off, she'd try and throw them on the ceiling, and you've never seen meltdowns like it. And so much to the point that when we were aware of this, we, we do have some low-level glass in our quadrangles outside. We actually got specialised film to both sides to, to protect against it. And so she came in and she was um, extremely, I think violent would be the right way to say it. And this was in June, July time. And contrasting with that, Christmas, we have our Christmas party. And I was in the Christmas party and I, I saw the Imogen that we had prepared a playroom for because she was at risk of damaging herself and others. And I saw a young lady with a huge smile on her face. And as I walked into her, her hall, she waved at me, a big smile on her face. And she was standing in the middle of the two foot diameter bubble tube and they were bringing duck bubbles back over to her. We saw a transformation in six months. Yeah. Right? The child was the same. The parents were the same. But what we'd done is we had just managed to regulate those emotions. We'd strengthened the communication. And, and this little girl, she was such, she's such a bright button because when children are profoundly deaf, they teach them British Sign Language. And what she would do when we were signing with the children, she would quickly do a BSL and then she would do it again in Makaton. Right. And she'd laugh at us because she'd done yeah, both. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I mean, you know, I thought for me, that was just a story whereby potentially Imogen could have gone to a proof pupil referral unit to deal with what they saw as the problem was. But actually, they didn't understand the problem. Once yeah. there was an understanding. So, you know, we that's part of the magic. That's part yeah. of the fairy dust that comes through is because we believe in children. We believe in the parents. We, we know that if we understand, then we can make a real difference. But, but you, you, you made an interesting point earlier when you said about the you know again this is in part potentially resource uh, and and there's probably a bunch of other reasons but that warehousing of kids that are different um is probably something that happens in mainstream isn't it yeah it, the, the problem is is that the mainstream is about creating something that works fairly well for the majority yeah yeah yeah. Those who are at the bottom end of it and the top end of it don't do so well. Well, I mean, you could argue, and again, that we could we could have a debate about sort of mainstream education, yeah. but you uh, but but you could argue that mainstream education is still built for an industrial age that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that we we definitely we, haven't got time for that. We need, we need to, another we need two to, we need, podcast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Does that, that mean politics that, and economics? Well, that one that one's that one's over a beer or twelve. Yeah, sure. When we get the, yeah. when when we get the chance yeah. to do that, talk to me about fundraising. So fundraising. Yeah. For first step, and I know that um, one of your supporters, Freya, um, uh, raised yeah. quite a lot of money recently. 10, the, yeah, ten thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. So tell tell me a bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, um, just just tying on from that, what happened during COVID is that because the local authority had removed their funding from us back in 2017, we funded it from our reserves, which is the charity term for savings, yeah. for three years, and that money was coming to an end during COVID. So actually, one of our services which we're very sad not to be running is educational services um we had to discontinue that and we had to make half of our staff redundant so that was a real blow it wasn't covid that did it it was them removing the money back in 2017 um and so now we don't receive any money from central government or local governments all that we do is generated through fundraising yeah. And um, so, you know, we've got, we, we, we fundraise in a myriad of different ways. Um, there are people who make one-off donations, people that um, have standing orders where they pay five to a hundred pounds a month. We go out to grant funders. We've got um, volunteers who do fundraising events and not to make too fine a point about it, some very generous people who support the people who do the volunteer events. Yeah. So, you know, that um, somebody did the Three Peaks Walk for us um, a couple of weekends again, magnificent feat, and he raised £1,500 for us. That, that's so significant to actually yeah. do that. Um, we do, we, we encourage in lieu events. So sometimes people have got a birthday party um, or even somebody recently, they were getting married from the second time and they said, we don't need all this I was going to use a a word I shouldn't have used then. Um, But all this stuff that um, that, that people buy you for a wedding, let's give the money to first step. So that's been a significant way. Um, And um, corporates are another really important part. Um, Clark's Carpets raised during the COVID year £12,000 for us. Um, Western Co just gave us a donation for um, five grand. Um, and also we've just finished our golf day, which was the most successful we've ever had, both in terms of number of golfers. We went up from 80 to 114 golfers. Amazing. And that day alone raised £21,000 with sponsor, businesses sponsoring and an auction which went crazy and people were bidding more for things than they were actually worth because they were supporting the family. What, 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 was, what was your big sponsorship um, win? What, 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 I'm sorry, not big, but big auction win. What was the, the item that went down the best? <laughs> um, that, that's interesting. I think the um, we had a number of things. We had a West Ham photo, uh, t-shirt, signed sign shirt that went for 600 quid, which was great. We had a golf bag that was signed by Ian Poulter. Is he a golfer? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, Ian, Ian Poulter, like yeah. Yeah, and that went for 600 quid. But the one that was really the funniest was that we had a number of four balls, which is where it's for four people to go and play golf at a different golf course. Yeah. And, and you can argue what it's worth, probably somewhere between, you know, 70 quid or something like that for a four ball. These were going for about 250, 300 pounds. And uh, people, there were t- tables of people that were just bidding against each other. And they were saying, what well, they were doing the maths, and they were saying, right, 300 quid. If we go 300 quid, that's 75 quid. We can afford that. And, and so I think that was the most exciting yeah. part. Getting four people along, we'll just 
throwing yeah. 75 yeah. quid each. Go for a and, game of golf. I mean, off yeah. the auction, we raised four and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. Is, I mean, that, my, 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 my funny auction, uh, I've got two funny auction stories that I'll quickly share with you. Number one, I was doing, uh, I was I, I went to a charity event a few years ago with um, Richard House, Kids Hospice, okay. who are down, yep. uh, down in uh, East London. Um, and I, um, I've been, I bid for a um, five-night stay in a hotel in Kuala Lumpur. Num- number one, not re- not realising it was without flights, and and, and number two, uh, uh, only after realising that it takes a day and a half to get to Kuala Lumpur yeah. and back, and I'm going yeah. there for five days. Um, and in the in the end, I took my dad, yeah. and we had an amazing time in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. It's a brilliant place. Yeah. Um, and then the second one was uh, I went to an event again to support St Francis recently, um, and we um, we uh, uh, s- uh, put some money in and won a uh, signed Ed Sheeran with his guitar photo. Yeah. So we, uh, Cassie. St- Cassie wanted it. She bid yeah. for it. Um, so when it came home, I went, where are we going to put that? Um, and we, Cassie has put it in the downstairs loop, <laughs> right? And, and so, like, every now and again, I, like, one of the kids will come out and of, of the downstairs loop yeah. and just go, Dad, Ed Sheeran's looking at me again, and it's weird. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know why we've got that photo up where it is. But, um, yeah, it's oh, just yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, I it. digressed, and we were talking about Freya. So, yeah, Freya was a young lady who had cerebral palsy. And um, she wanted to do some fundraising for First Step. And it was at the time, um, a year on after Captain Tom, and there was the fundraising going on with there. And um, so mum said, look, this is what we're going to do, is that she had just been given her her walking frame. And um, if you, it's, uh, the videos are still on the website, you can see that her legs are partly tethered to the walking frame. So as the frame is going forward, it's pulling her legs and it's building the strength that's in right. there. But a tremendous amount of effort that she's got to exert into doing that. So she was doing 100 steps in a walker on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday because it was a bank holiday weekend. And... Um, um, it, it, we saw Mum by chance sent us a video of her first walk in training. Right. And we saw the energy and we felt that Freya was such a poster child for first step and families. We thought we've got to do something with this. And this is what I mean when I say we have to be really reactive. So we we quickly pushed that out on our social media. And then we we set up that we were actually going to film and publish um, each day's walk. And the the family were a big family. They did a huge amount of fundraising. Um, we, um, we pumped it out to all of our supporters online. Um, uh, BBC came down and actually filmed it. Amazing. Uh, her on one of her walks at the railway tavern um in in hornchurch and um and you know the the, the figure was at the end we got up to ten thousand pounds which Amazing. was absolutely an astonishing feat. But, but you know when what we saw and um freya is non-verbal but she is full of 
cognition. She absolutely knows what's actually happening. And she, you could see that she was so motivated. She could hear the count going on. Yeah, and yeah. as she got to the end of the line each time and hit 100 and everybody went crazy and she uh, was waving around as well. And then she just bent down and rested her head on the frame because she was absolutely exhausted. Mm. And I think it, to me, it talks of the way that um, for the parents and for the children, um, every day of their life is a struggle. Yeah. It's the struggle yeah. whereby they say, do we give in to this or do we make it happen? And, you know, Chris, you and I, we just don't know how fortunate yeah. we are. Yeah. And um, and I think that we we did show at the golf day, the Breakfast Mums video. And I think that, you know, I think everybody there who had a child or a grandchild was just saying, thank God. And these yeah. people just need help. I like it away. And yeah, I, so I like you mentioned away. that you're, you're peaking on 100,000 visitors um, or, or receivers of the podcast. And you mentioned that you've been down to first step. I'm putting an offer out here tonight. We're very happy for every one of your podcast visitors to come down and see first step. Not all on the same day, please. But yeah, that might be that might be difficult. And as yeah. we as we're a global podcast, yeah, well, it's okay. I mean, we, we might have people flying from all over the show to come yeah, and no, come and right. see us, Mark. But, but I think that you know, and and it's not just all about first step because many of these people will have connections and be involved with charities locally to them. Um, but I think they can take inspiration and uh, actually from that. And yeah. because I think that that the people who triumph over um, adversity in their life deserve huge respect. 100%, and, yeah. and, you know, Freya is just such a she's such a sweetheart. And yeah. there's one glorious picture on the website with her hands raised high celebrating okay. her run. It was at the Horn Church running track where that one was taken. And so she did, it, did she do it in different venues? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Final, the final day, which was on the Sunday, she actually came and did it in the car park of um, a first step. And because we'd seen what happened on the previous days, um, we knew that we needed a flexible ribbon line. Right. So people were holding the ribbon because we couldn't tell where she'd finish 100 steps. So it was, gotcha. it was a great day. Yeah, so she is, she's an absolute sweetheart and such a poster child and an example for parents. And, and if I just say that when Freya first came, it was her grandma, great-grandmother that brought her because mum couldn't face bringing her. And then yeah. here later on in life, here, here's mum actually championing. Actively supporting, and yeah, and, and I love and her that. Freya's in a mainstream school now. Um, you know, with lots of support around her, um, but with a with a package and an understanding of her motivators and things like that. That that so we we can, if you like, spin these children off after they've been with us and known that we have done something which impacts their life long into the future. And this is the thing, isn't it? That, those, I mean, Cassie, Cassie will tell you. I mean, she worked before she joined the family business. She worked in early years for years, okay. and the impact of positive, you know, yeah. those those positive, you know, act, 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 uh, actions and behaviours yeah. supporting yeah. kids in the early yeah. years is so important for their longer term. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, yeah. And actually, the the thing that frustrates me the most, and I know we're we're up and over time, but we're 
we, the, the local authority pulled 125,000, pounds worth of funding for it. They're going to spend vastly more than that on an annual basis because children who don't get that early intervention are going to draw more on their services later on in life. It's such a false economy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I that's agree. if you forget about the misery for the child and the family. In the early parents, years. You know. But yeah. now, 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 what you can't see, Mark, is Cassie standing in front of the laptop, just nodding and agreeing with everything you were saying. Well, I so. want to know, when's she coming down? <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on a day that the... Other hundred thousand listeners don't show up. Uh, all right, get, we'll get, have to we'll have to plan it well. Let's get her down first. <laughs> I won't want to leave. She said she wouldn't want to leave. Right. So, tell us a little bit about where people can hear more about. You know, they've listened to the podcast. They've, they're inspired to get involved and, and help you out. Where can they find out? More? Okay, I guess the key place to actually go to is the website. It's not the best website you've ever seen, but I think it's got a lot of passion onto there. So that's www.firststep, that's one word, .org.uk. Um, they can search for us. We've got a, uh, um, a, a Facebook presence, which is not huge. I'd really say, let's simplify, let's say go to the Facebook. Go to the website. I'll go to the they Facebook. Can, they can call 01708 556 355. And that will bring them through to the office. And crazy fool that I, I am, I'm also going to give them a, my private mobile number, okay. which is 07949 273 819. And you can get straight through to me. If they want to email me, it's mark.halls, H A W L S, at firststep.org.uk. And we'd love to speak to you. And, 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 um, and just so Mark does actually get some sleep, listeners, <laughs> please don't all phone at once. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, that is a brave and bold move, giving out your mobile number on a on a, well, on a podcast with a decent listener. Please don't tell my wife that I've just done it. <laughs> all right, um, but um, I, 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 I mean, all, most parents have my mobile number, but very few have misused. But the trouble is, if you're a worldwide uh, podcast, it's when the Australians ring that the problem. Free, free in the morning. Free you in the know, morning. I, I don't mind. I'll, I'll pick that up. And um, and anyone who's local enough, please come down and see us because I can whip around for hours. And Chris, you know I can. But there's nothing quite like coming there and seeing and feeling because I think that you'll feel some magic in the air when you see what's going on. Yeah, and I certainly felt that when I came came down. And also, Mark, just 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 sorry, one other thing which I didn't mention: businesses hugely important to us. We'd love to build um, a whole network of businesses who want to support. Um, one of the things that I'm looking at to get these educational services up and running is to find perhaps five or ten businesses that join together and support the sessions. Sessions are expensive, but the impact is huge. So if you're a business owner there. Um, I want to talk about coming and seeing and doing something great for building the corporate social awareness with you with your team. Come and hold your sales meetings here. We're we're very flexible, but sorry, I'll shut up. Uh, I think you're supposed to be going. I think you're supposed to be going away on holiday. Well, I'm, I'm 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 meant to be on a spa break after my marathon run next week, but it's been okay. an absolute pleasure. Thank great, you thank for. You 
chatting and uh, I look forward to catching up soon. See you later, mate. Thanks very much indeed. So that was the last part of the Mark Paul's interview. What did you think? It was good. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Certainly listen to, to the amazing work that uh, Mark and the team at First Step are doing. Um, if you can support them, and I, and I know in the last part, Mark gave all of his contact details and bizarrely included his mobile number, um, which on a podcast with a <laughs> listenership like ours, I suggested that he might not want to do, but he did anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, let's um, get on with the show. People have my phone number. I'm not giving you my phone number. No, no. <laughs> Kick off. What's the time? <gasps> And the, the end. Um, it's never really the end. Because the end is always so, the beginning of something entirely new. It is. And this uh, this is last week's question of the podcast this week answered. Uh, we've got a bunch of different answers. John Cook said, um, uh, Matt, the, maybe sorry, question. the question was, what's the thing you want to tick off next off your bucket list? Um, and John said, shout the rude word off the top of the Eiffel Tower. Pedro Floyd said, I don't have a bucket list. Um, there's things I, that I want to do and I hope I'm able, um, but I'm, I don't have an actual list. Ian L said, I'd love to row the Atlantic. That sounds amazing. Victoria Ellis said she wants to travel Texas. Alison Hagen says she wants to run the Reykjavik half marathon. David Hearn, we can make this wish come true, a.k.a. for you, David Hearn. Having my comment read out on the podcast... Done, 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 done. Sorted. You need to find a new uh, new thing for your bucket list. Nadine Stevenson said we need a huge amount of money. Daniel Saul said it's a super simple one, but I really want to eat Chinese out of a box with chopsticks like they do in the USA. Emma Stevens-Tang said diving heads first of the five-metre diving balls. She's having lessons at the minute. And Victor Sack said, have a podcast, pizza oven, and a Tesla. Now, actually, the pizza oven and podcast will do. And on that note, my friends, that's the end of another Kindness Project. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.